And we're back. I'm Conrad here with my buddy Drew, and we are Stranger by the Dozen. When we left Doctor Strange, he was in a cave system rapidly filling with water, being menaced by the trident of the evil priestess Abora. What happens next, Drew? Ah, uh, issue six of Marvel Premiere, The Shambler from the Sea, which is totally not Cthulhu. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> nah. See, so we see that Abora is uh, menacing Doctor Strange in this, this deep cavern that's rapidly filling with seawater with his trident. Yeah. I'll mention also that the, the uh, art team has changed again this issue. Ah, yes. So uh, um. Gardner F. Fox writer Frank Brunner and Sal Buscema Bus- artists, uh, Gaspar Saldino letterer and Roy Thomas editor. Yeah, they'll actually, um, in the letter column of Marvel Premiere 7, they actually, like, apologize for the art in issue 5. It's crazy. Damn. Yeah. But now they've got a little bit more sort of... I like Fusem, actually. It's sort of a fun, um, semi-realistic style, I guess. Oh, it's, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we, we left off with Abora menacing Doctor Strange with his trident, and, of course, Doctor Strange counters with the Cloak of Levitation. Yeah. Tear. That's his big move. Yeah, to tear the trident right out of her hands. Mm-hmm. And uses it to uh, break himself free from the rocks and then swims and escapes. Yeah, swimming through the un- underwater cave system and eventually arriving at the shore where Sligoth is waiting. Yep. Sligoth is waiting for Doctor Strange to make you know, reach him, but Doctor Strange reached the surface first to take a much-needed breath of air before getting dragged back down under by Sligoth. And then, of course, Doctor Strange finds the, the cross and the uh, dragon thing from the church and uses that yeah. as an axe to beat uh, Sligoth across the face with. And then holds, yeah. and then holds his gills shut. Yeah, he the cross, knocking him out, and then drowns it in the waves with his bare hands. Yeah. It's extremely hardcore, Drew. It's rough. Like, straight up drowned that guy. Yeah. To uh, unleash the Shambler from the seas. Again, totally not Cthulhu. It's not Cthulhu, man. It's Ngabthoth. The Shambler from the Sea. That's N apostrophe Gabthoth. <laughs> and of course, we see the arrival of both Wong and Clea to Starksboro. S T A R K S B O R. Yeah, we're fully in Starksboro now. Starkusboro is no more. <laughs> and then weirdly, they reprise the start of this story because yeah. they bump into another dude whose like girlfriend has been lost in Starksboro. <laughs> What is going on? This place is just eating girlfriends. It's like the the island in uh, the Nicolas Cage version of Wicker Man. Yeah. Of course, now we see that the townspeople are much more lizard-like in appearance. Yeah, they're, great. they're full-on troglodytes at this point. Yeah. No, I, I like the art direction on that. It's, it's definitely a lot more menacing. Yeah. Like green skin and stuff and wanting to bite down. Yeah. Yeah. And so the troggies fall upon um, Clea and Wong and the random dude and... Tie them up and put them on a uh, on, a, on a new outdoor uh, sacrifice site. There's a lot of sacrifice sites in this town. They like they are big on sacrifices. Yeah. So that way they can bring about the final awakening of uh, Shumagoreth. Yeah. Yeah. So these guys will be eaten by Ngabthoth. Meanwhile, I like I like saying Ngabthoth. <laughs> Meanwhile, across the world, we see that the ancient one is still imprisoned. And of course, he leaves his his physical body. And enters his astral self to go assist uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah, he's being super helpful despite the fact that he's mid-peril being held captive by these crazy monster guys. He's like, straight up, I don't need my physical body, so I'm out. Peace. Mm -hmm. And we see uh, Doctor Strange uh, arriving on the shore to find that his friends are chained up on this altar. Big altar. I mean, you gotta have... 
You have space for party sacrifices, bro. I mean, this is like a like a four person altar, really. Yeah, where are you gonna party sacrifice otherwise? <laughs> but so now the fight's on as Strange um, begins his uh, fight against the uh, yeah against Ungapthoth. Ungapthoth, that seems real good. And and it goes real bad because he um, he's still being um, having his power sucked out by the evil aura, you yeah. know. But he's able, Until, to, he's able to do enough uh, to free his friends from the altar, at very least. Yeah. So Clay and Wong are fighting the cultists. Well, Doctor uh, Strange is doing his best to find Ungafloth. Until finally, the spirit of the Ancient One arrives. To enter and enters Doctor Strange's body to uh, protect him from the evil force that the town is emitting. To yeah. fight, uh, fight Ungafloth at his full strength. And he succeeds. He blows Ungafloth away. He does, but he lets him go to see what he's yeah. doing. Yeah, he follows Ungapthoth back to the uh, the church thing, back where we started in, in Starksboro. Yeah, pulls up some floorboards, uh, pull a, a small little uh, chest, and then decides that now is the time to kick his ass, so that way I can look at the stuff that he has. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so Strange blasts Ungapthoth and destroys him, and that sends all the cultists running away. They've lost two monster gods in the course of 24 hours, and it's like, this is bad times. And of course, after this, the Ancient One has to leave uh, Doctor Strange yeah, to, return to, return, to return to Ka'u. And so they open the chest, and they find a map which leads them to Stonehenge, an international adventure. Nice. Yeah. This is the second time we've been to Stonehenge with Doctor Strange. Which takes us to uh, issue seven. Yeah. I'll mention also that, um, so when Ngabthoth dies and the cultists run away, um, we never really see or hear from them again. Um the town of Starksboro, however, will return to comics. Captain America will go there. In the mid-90s, go there while he's a werewolf. I, I just want to verify if that's Starksboro or Starkisboro. Starksboro. Okay. He is lost to the ages. Bummer. Uh, you know, they get over it. That takes us to Marvel premiere number seven from March 1973. Shadows of the Starstone. Gardner Fox writer. Craig Russell artist, Mike Esposito, Frank Giacosia, David Hunter or David Hunt Inkers, Gene Izzo letterer, Mimi Gold colorist, and concepts still by Robert E. Howard. So we got this map, right? And the map says Stonehenge, and that means we got to go to England. So Doctor Strange basically takes off and flies away to fly to England. And Clea and Wong are like, all right, uh, have a good one, dude. We'll just chill out, I guess. And then we smash cut uh, to Cornwall in England, which is nowhere near Stonehenge. Oh, yeah. No, that's like near this. And yeah. And to just like some random dude named um, Henry Gordon, who is in turn asking random people if there's any public transportation to a place known as Witch House, like a manor called Witch House, which is a ridiculous question. To ask. Like that's the name of an evil manor. No buses go to evil manors. No, there's a tour bus that goes there like at 3 o'clock every day, man. I guess. But the townsfolk agree with me and say, uh, no one goes there. Are you mad? No one in their right mind would stitch, step foot on which house? But Henry's like, no, man. Like, I inherited that place from my Uncle Jed. It's going to be my fortune or whatever. Why is everyone being a jerk? All I got to do is stay there one night. Or something. <laughs> I've seen this movie. Yeah, well, I mean, exactly. So Gordon walks to the witch house, and so, like, here, the, here's the witch house. Imagine a spooky manor, all right? It's on a hill with a windy path up to it, maybe some random towers or turrets coming out of the top, a monster skull for a door knocker, 
lots of random thunder and lightning going on be- behind it. Yeah, welcome to Witch House. It's totally that house that your uncle left in his will that you have to stay in one night to actually take Yeah, literally, I guess. That house, yes. And so Jed knocks on the door, and the door is answered by the housekeeper, Blondine. Blondine? That's That's a weird name. Who, at first, seems to be extremely evil. She greets the door. Who comes to Witch House uninvited? Uh, Sorry, who comes to Witch House uninvited is a fool. Who are you? Who dares the ancient mysteries? But later, she kind of turns out to be a regular lady, so I don't know. But she gets Henry some tea, and he waits in the library, reading just sort of random books off the shelves, including one that seems to be about the witch house itself. And apparently there's a nearby sunken land of Kalamesh, where people worshipped uh, Shumagora. Oh, what a coincidence. Oh, and don't mind the huge glowing wet footprint in the hallway. That's probably just an optical illusion from the nearby Tower of Dagoth. Uh, BTW, don't go to the tower. Only madness waits there. (laughs) So Henry goes to the tower, uh, and on the way, he finds a giant jewel. So good times. With uh, the promise of possibly more treasure, Henry and Blondine go scuba diving the next day. And swimming underwater, they totally, like, right away find the lost city of Kalamesh. It's right there. It's not very hard to find. How convenient. Yeah, but they also find pink and orange body of Dagoth, a crazy sea monster, <gasps> including Dagoth's sweet, sexy orange Speedo. And they're in trouble. They're about to be eaten by Dagoth, this big fish dude. But luckily, as fate would have it, Doctor Strange is nearby, flying on his way to Stonehenge. He investigates, finds the monster, and it's time for an undersea monster fight. That's kind of monster fight. I, I don't know. I kind of disagree, actually. But <laughs> Strange manages to escape with Henry and Blondine, and he takes them back to the witch house to investigate the monster. Strange does so by mind-whammying Blondine and finds out that her head contains ancient ancestral memories of her bloodline being priests of Dagoth in ancient times until Kalamesh fell into the sea. And the flashback's told in one big, like, trippy page, and we see Blondine's eyes grow bigger and increasingly more insane as the, uh, as the story goes on. It's pretty terrifying. But so, hey, remember that big jewel that Henry found earlier? Oh, yeah. Well, during the night, while in a trance, Blondine identifies it as a mystic artifact called a star stone and totally cracks it open like an egg. And this causes some mystic junk to just start come pouring out and soon causes everyone in the town, including Doctor Strange, to suddenly go into a trance and summons Dagoth to the shore. Uh, and it looks like everybody's now just going to worship Dagoth. And it's Dagoth time, you know? We'll start some sacrifices, bring back Shumagorath. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, let's go build some altars. Totally. Luckily, uh, Clea and Wong apparently decided to follow Dr. Strange. And I'm not clear if they, like, found a plane and, like, flew to England and have now rented a car and are driving there, if they just drove straight from New England to England somehow or from America to England somehow. Maybe they fired a flying car from S.H.I.E.L.D.? Could be. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't put it past them. But anyhow, as these as the townsfolk and Doctor Strange come into a go into a trance, Wong and Clea are right there driving into town, and Clea's able to find Doctor Strange and release him from the trance. And then there's, you know, another pretty big 
another pretty big fight as uh, Strange and Dagoth go at it again underwater. And it ends with Dagoth being banished to another dimension, um, never to return. And, and he actually never does return, which is nice. Um, Dagoth will show up kind of randomly in a Conan comic in early 90s, but that's about it. Um, but that Starstone thing, re- remember that? Um, we learned that it was a gift to Dagoth from another Shumagorath disciple, Kulfus, and that the witch house is now full of uh, gross Starstone goo. And it's all grown crazy. Yuck. And that's how we end with the, sort of the whole, the whole inside of the house just being a huge tidal wave of Starstone muck and random housewares and things like that. Which takes us to Marvel premiere number eight from May 1973. Drew. Yes, because I love the title of this comic so much. The Doom That Bloomed on Catholic. <laughs> oh, good. Uh... Gardner F. Fox, a writer, Jim Starlin, artist, Giacosia and Hunt Rinkers, uh, Izzo and uh, P. Goldberg, colorist, uh, Roy Thomas, editor, and again, featuring the concepts created by Robert E. Howard, where we find that uh, Doctor Strange is fighting a house. That's right. Yep. It's a- the ultimate evil. Yep. <laughs> Gotta got fight that house. Where we have slime and everything, and, and just everything just becoming at uh, Wong and Clea and Doctor Strange, where we see that the only solution here is to destroy the house. Yep. You gotta gotta burn the house sometimes, you know? And to do so, like, Doctor Strange pulls out a just massive, massive incantation to make this happen. It's like, not massive. even AB, it's like, just, just really long incantation. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool, and then the whole house gets hit by lightning and just collapses in on itself with a mighty baroom. It's good sound effects. Yeah. No, it's pretty fantastic. And so then we have a brief recap of all the various things that Strange has fought in so far in, in the uh, facing the perils yeah. of Shumagorath. Yeah, sort of further record, I guess. Um, Henry and Blondine will rebuild some other house in the site of which house, but who cares? No one. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been fighting all these all these dudes from Shumagorath. It feels like we're getting close to a showdown. Yeah. One can only hope. So we get a brief recap of the series so far, like in the middle of this book, mm-hmm. of like all the all the foes that we faced, all the people that we met, uh, the places that we've been, the clues that we've gathered to once again have uh, Doctor Strange re- to have him reach uh, Stonehenge. Finally, yeah, and Stonehenge is full of uh, crazy gargoyle monsters. Yeah, it's full of demons and stuff. They have wings and sword or scimitars. It's crazy. Yeah. Luckily, while they uh, meet, at first seem like a problem, Doctor Strange handles them pretty quickly. He just flies up and casts this giant spell, and it goes katoom, and they're all destroyed. And suddenly, like Stonehenge is clear. Only, and then we see a a star uh, descending behind one of the uh, stone pillars in Stonehenge, and yeah. the door and sucks Doctor Strange in. Yeah, we learn that the actual purpose of Stonehenge is that it's a dimensional gateway between worlds. Yeah. Which, fair enough, I say. Yeah, so we see uh, <laughs> like this kind of awesome visual escape of Doctor Strange falling through dimensions and eventually Did reaching this... Uh, through space. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty cool. Uh, and eventually finds himself on this uh, planet, this planet that he now has to fight. Oh, man. This planet that is the living Catholos. Yeah, Catholos manifests himself as a giant Venus flytrap with like, a big silver head in the middle. Yeah, and I mean... Dude just fought a house, and now he has to fight a planet. He's scaling up, for sure. No, seriously. Like, where do you go from here? I mean, we'll find out, right? And eventually, eventually Doctor Strange kills a planet. Yeah. Yep. He finds out that uh, 
So the planet was like sucking, was absorbing his power, but also protected from his power. And Doctor Strange manages to work out that he can't do both at the same time. So he strikes as he's being destroyed. Yep. So he, <laughs> he kills a planet. Not, like a house and a planet in the same issue. That's crazy. Yeah, he's really destroying the real estate. You know, don't uh, don't leave your land masses or people or uh, housing developments alone with Doctor Strange. You cannot be trusted with them. <laughs> yeah, and now trapped on a dead planet in some strange, weird dimension with a bunch of planets flying around and stuff. We go to Marvel premiere number nine from July 1973. The Crips of Kau. Steve Englehart and Frank Brunner, writers. Frank Brunner does the art. Ernie Chua, inker. John Costanza, letterer. David Hunt, colorist. And we're officially done with concepts being by Robert E. Howard. (laughs) (laughs) This This issue also comes out on the 10th anniversary of Doctor Strange being created. So from July, from July 1963 to July 1973. And to celebrate, we open with Doctor Strange flying through a crazy planetscape, as is his want. So he's stuck on uh, Cthulhu's world, which is sort of falling apart now that Cthulhu's is dead. And Doctor Strange decides that there's only one rational course, which is to fully destroy the decaying planet and see what happens. Like, before the planet was, de- was dead, now it's destroyed. <laughs> Like, he has to finish the job, man. Yeah. So, the explosion releases a swarm of multicolored discs, like uh, Smarty Attack, I guess. <laughs> the discs show Doctor Strange odd visions. Uh, first, this big orange hallucinatory monster, then an image of Stephen Strange himself floating in space crucified. Eventually, the swarm forms a black hole within itself, and we at last hear the voice of Shuma Gorath. We know he's super evil because the voice is like the word balloons for the voice is a negative. So it's a it's a black word bubble with white letters. And Shumagorath taunts Doctor Strange and says that soon Shumagorath will return to Earth and Doctor Strange never will because he's trapped on this planet. Usual sort of villain gloating stuff. Then Shumagorath disappears and Strange manages to follow him back to Earth. <laughs> Shumagorath also kind of makes some... Uh, threatening mentions about the Ancient One and stuff like that. So Doctor Strange knows he's got to go straight to the crypts of Ka'u to catch up on the Ancient One to make sure he's okay. Meanwhile, we also stop by Stonehenge, where uh, Wong and Clea have showed up, and they basically say, well, we've done all we can. It's Now it's time for the big guys to handle the rest of the fight. Uh, we could be... Our, or our influence would be of no less import than raindrops on rock. I mean, Doctor Strange killed the planet. I mean, yeah, th- th- then he blew it up. Yeah, he's having a good he's having a good day. <laughs> I mean, if that's what big leagues, I don't know. <laughs> so four days later, Doctor Strange arrives through the darkness between the realities at the catacombs of Ka'u. Um, after beating up the guards and fighting his way in. Doctor Strange meets the boss of Ka'u, the living Buddha. Presumably no relation to, like, the actual Buddha. I don't know. But the living Buddha is a giant dude permanently sitting in lotus position. He's got to be carried around um, on, like, a plinth by the shadow men we've seen earlier. And he directs Doctor Strange to the Ancient One seemingly without a fight. But then he sends his minions to attack both of them. 
And Doctor and uh, sorry, and the ancient one is in bad shape. It looks like he's been starving himself, and he looks even more decrepit than usual. The ancient one reveals that Kau is the traditional burial ground of ancient ones. Like we see a couple entombed. Uh, Kau actually comes up uh, in more recent Doctor Strange uh, issues, but we'll talk about that in like later episodes. Yeah, 2018. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it'd be a source of uh, magical skeletons and so forth. But so then they're attacked by uh, the shadow men of Kau and Dr. Strange is completely overwhelmed to save him. The ancient one must use the last gasp of his power. Dr. Strange is freed, but the ancient one dies. It's a bummer, but even more of a bummer. We learn Shumagorath takes control of the ancient one's brain. And suddenly we end the issue with, the black word bubble of Shumagorath emanating from the center of the Ancient One's forehead. Aw, dip! Aw, snap. Yeah. So now we go to Marvel premiere number 10 from September 1970. Yes, the Ancient One dies. Uh, or alternately titled, finally, Shumagorath. Finally. <laughs> uh, Steve Englehart, author, and Frank Berger, artist, are co-creators. Uh Inks by the Singing Sons of the Krusty Bunkers, uh, Costanza Letterer, C. Adams Colorist, and Roy Thomas Editor. Yeah, the uh, Singing Sons of the Krusty Brothers is like a uh, is a collective of inkers that did a bunch of Marvel work at this time. But sort of, yeah, it was like it's like five or six, it's like five or six or maybe even like ten guys all inking. So they don't uh, list them all individually. And so we see that Shimagorath has taken like fully taken over uh, the Ancient One. Particularly in his astral. Mm -hmm. like, straight up just talking trash to Doctor Strange. Yeah, man, he's super evil. Yeah. Until uh, Doctor Strange, uh, and, and actually just shows him his future of, like, you know, being buried alive. It's pretty messed up. Man. Yeah, because Shumagorath's going to take control of the world, rewrite history, and become super duper evil. Yeah, until uh, Doctor Strange pulls some, like, straight up uh, Hank Pym stuff and shrinks himself down. To enter, uh, the ancient one's mind. Yeah, yeah, he's done this before, right? Like you were, we did that during the Eternity Saga last um, last time you were here. So you know, I didn't choose these uh, issues completely with the, without meaning. You're here for uh, Doctor Strange jumping the ancient one's mind, Drew. That's your oh. uh, that's your thing. <laughs> Although last time, so this time where he gets tiny and like jumps around like synapses and stuff. Yeah, like straight into his brain. <laughs> not not even like you know like okay let's enter spiritually no it's like just straight in mm -mm. yep or, uh, yeah there's a bunch of tr tr trippy brain stuff going on inside the ancient one's head yeah he even uh, finds his the the ancient one's uh, perception of what, who Doctor Strange is inside his brain <laughs> and it takes him along as you know a thing that he can possibly use later but that will come up later mm-hmm he also meets his ancient enemies, guys like Baron, like uh, not the Baron, but uh, the Dread Dormammu and stuff. No, he does like a full-on boss rush inside his brain. Yeah, I think it's funny because the uh, the Dread Dormammu shows up and he's basically saying like, "Hey, man, you've been fighting Shumagorath for like six issues now, and he's taken my place as your big bad guy, and that's BS. I was yeah. here first. Like, I should be your greatest enemy instead. You know? It's like, what up, man? Isn't there any sort of loyalty here? Come on. Yeah. It's funny because a similar sentiment has been in a bunch of, like, the letters to the editor and stuff for this thing where they're kind of like, hey, what about, like, the classic Doctor Strange foes? We're tired of this uh, semi-Lovecraft stuff. And they're like, whatever, guys. We're almost done. 
And of course, uh, back on the outside, we could see the the living Buddha uh, just telling his underlings to make sure that you know the ancient one is is you know still okay, really. yeah, still ready to be brought forth as Shumagorath. Yeah. <laughs> and so we, uh, Doctor Strange, continues his boss rush against like the various things that he's fought before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until eventually he arrives at Shumagorath's true form. It's kind of like this weird space creature thing. If you ever played like Marvel vs. Capcom, he totally makes an appearance there. It's like this weird space octopus. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, he's very like just a big eyeball and a brain and a bunch of tentacles and stuff. Yeah. And so he leaves his like the perception of himself as to the ancient one there as kind of a decoy. Oh, yeah. And then just takes off. So that way he can go find the real thing, the ancient one's ego. Ooh, the most powerful of things. Yes. Or something. <laughs> and so he, he tells himself that the only way to end this is destroy the ancient one. It's a bummer. Which is messed up. And he, he totally, like, kills the ancient one's ego. Yeah. The, the ego's, in, like, represented as this big cube that Doctor Strange flies into. And then in the center is the ancient one meditating. And he's super buff. Yep. And then Doctor Strange blasts him uh, and completely kills the ancient. But handily defeats uh, Shumagorath. Yeah, Shumagorath is destroyed. The Temple of Kau starts to collapse, uh, and Doctor Strange walks out like cool guys don't look at explosions style. And the Living Buddha totally falls off his like platter. Yeah, everybody's buried beneath the um beneath the rubble. Only to find that they, there's a tree outside, and it's totally talking to Doctor Strange. Oh no! Is he losing his mind? No. Maybe, but but also. <laughs> but it's the ancient one who's become one with the universe. Ah, dope! Because Doctor Strange destroyed his ego, which held, you know, which was holding him to his physical body, and is now has become one with the universe and become a an even greater astral form. Yeah. So the ancient one basically leaves Earth to go be one with the universe. Yep, and leaves Doctor Strange as Sorcerer Supreme. All right. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. So we go quickly to Marvel premiere number 11. Uh, Homecoming, Stan Lee author, Steve Ditko artist, Costanza and Rosen letterers, Stan G. Colorist. Introduction and conclusion by Steve Englehart and Frank Brunner. And here's the thing, all right? Uh, Drew, are you familiar with um, Alan Moore's dark superhero comic, Miracle Man? Yes, I am. All right. So you'll know there's an issue in there where... A couple things happen, and then it turns out that like there was a, a flood hit the offices of the company that publishes Miracle Man, and it messed up their deadlines. And to compensate, they have to rerun some Golden Age Miracle Man stories in the new comic. But when they did this, like the editor of Miracle Man, Catherine uh, Ironwood, like breaks the fourth wall of the comic and sort of explains what's going on. Um, and she kind of and she says. Uh, Remember that period during the mid-70s when it seemed like every third Marvel comic was an unannounced reprint? Uh, I resented them, of course, but I hated it more when they tried to pretend the reprints were flashbacks. Like that issue of Doctor Strange where Doc is riding on a big white horse looking for the Ancient One's ego or something equally occult. When it into a bit about, ah, the Ancient One, how well I recall our first and they hit us with the Steve Ditko reprints. So I think she's talking about this actual issue of Doctor Strange <laughs> when she says that. Um, because that's what this issue is. It's, a, it's basically a reprint of, Doctor, of uh, Strange Tales, number 115 and 117, but with a framing story 
of Mage arriving at the Ancient One's temple and talking to the Ancient One's manservant, Hamir the Hermit, and then they kind of reminisce, so it's like three pages of new content and then just straight reprints. Um, and it's like a bummer, and it's real crappy, basically. And I'm probably not going to include these kinds of issues in future episodes. But I wanted to include it this time just because I always thought, I thought that was funny because I remembered when I read Miracle Man. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that exact like Doctor Strange issue, and I think it's this one. <laughs> but that's basically it. This is just sort of like, all right, Doctor Strange is the Sorcerer Supreme. He still feels bad about sort of having killed the Ancient One to one extent or another. Like, I mean, the Ancient One's one with the universe, but Doctor Strange still feels bad about zapping him inside his own ego and stuff. Yeah, it's real bad. Yeah, uh, it's, it's okay, I guess. But, you know, he's going to be the Sorcerer Supreme from New York City instead of from, from the Himalayas, because that's the cooler place to be. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And uh, that's basically the end of that issue and this episode. Next time, an all-new epic to find Baron Mordo. But that's in Doctor Strange. So what did you think about this issue, about this series of issues, Drew? It was filled with things that were not H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Like, this, the fact that a lot of this stuff is sort of lifted, sort of uncoolly from H.P. Lovecraft sort of paints it in a weird direction, I guess. But like a lot of, especially like the second half, I think, is some really actually like high level Doctor Strange stuff. Like these are classic stories that when people sort of reminisce about Doctor Strange being awesome, these are some of the stories they talk about. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like seeing him fight a house and then kill a planet. That's just, yeah, that's yeah, and then sort of deep in the Ancient One's mind, that showdown with the Shumagorath. It's hard to describe sort of in words, but it's very, it's got some very cool, like, sort of, like, the Ancient One's, like, sort of old body, but then his head, his face being projected super evil by Shumagorath, and then the trippy um, path into the Ancient One's mind and things like that. Like, both, basically, the first half of... Like, the fir- the second half of Marvel premiere and the first, ha- like, five or six issues of the of Doctor Strange Volume 2, basically, are collected in this, lo- in this often republished graphic novel called, like, Doctor Strange, A Separate Reality. That is sort of one that's sort of st- stood the test of time, basically. So it's cool. I don't know. But anyhow, um, hey, everybody, please come back next week, as my friend Duncan will be on the show. And we'll see the Defenders rematch with Zemnu, take on the budget brand Justice League, and then hold their own in the mighty Defenders Avengers War. Also, Doctor Strange will begin the saga of Sisseneg, which is ironic if you think about it. (laughs) (laughs) If you'd like to contact the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com. Or interact with the show on Facebook and Instagram at Stranger by the Dozen, Twitter at Stranger by the by the Twelve, that's Stranger by the One Two, and on Tumblr at StrangerbyTheDozen.tumblr.com. During the week, I'll post a bunch of images and quotes from the issues covered this week, so keep an eye out. And you can find a full visual companion as well as the episodes on StrangerbyTheDozen.com. Stranger by the Dozen is on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, and any podcatching app. And remember, if you leave a five-star review on any platform, I will read it on the show. And if you want to uh, contact Drew and yell at him about his terrible opinions, you can find him at Neo of the Dark on Twitter. Fight right? me on the internet. Fight me on the All right. Always, until next time, faithful listener, I say, the wind whistles high and thin on the peaks of the Himalayas. 
even while lower regions of the myth-shrouded east based in midsummer sweat. Up here, the white of winter lurks forever, and few care or dare to challenge it. But now, a moat of blue and crimson strides, str strides straight against the swirling snow. A man of noble bearing grimly ends an unhappy odyssey. A magician finds his temple, and they all are Doctor Strange. Until next time, my name is Conrad, and this is Stranger by the Dozen. May the Vishanti guide your path.